With Boone Edom, you get unwavering commitment to protecting your entrances, employees, and guests. This is Entering Excellence, your definitive guide to security solutions. Welcome to Entering Excellence, a Boone Eden podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, my guests are J.C. Powell and Brian Marshall. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Shelby. Thank Thanks for much. having us. Well, so today we're talking about scalable security, and it's really the understanding that different entrances have different levels of security needed. So I guess, J.C., let's start, start us off with talking a little bit about how different entrances need different types of egress and ingress protocols. And, and I guess kind of walk us through some of those examples. Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, you know, in, in, in today's world, Shelby, it's, it's interesting from a standpoint of companies are very different. Even companies that offer similar uh, goods or services to consumers, uh, whether that's to, um, to private businesses or to corporations, so within that and within our industry, uh, where Boone Needham really excels is we take each company for what they are and each one of them are individual. And we never try to lump two companies into the same, even though they mo- both may be data centers or financial or insurance companies. And what I mean by that is, for instance, a company may have a uh, single building that may have a couple of floors in it and they have a receptionist or a guard that greets people at the front, and they're a very open facility. So it's a matter of how do people move through their building? And that's a very important topic, and we can talk about that in a little bit later. But as the way that these companies uh, exist within each of their own cultures really dictates what type of a security entrance that they would be interested in, in order to uh, promote and protect their their assets, whether it's people or intellectual property or goods and services. Mm-hmm. So some examples of that could be, um, take for instance, a distribution center where goods are, are, are being processed through. And, and in the times we're going through right now, distribution centers are extremely important from a supply chain standpoint. Right. So you... It's not a typical class A office building where you have 2,500 to 5,000 people in a building. It's more like having a a, a small group of people that are working very efficiently Um, and how they move through the building, how they get vetted in, clear security and get to their workspace so that they can perform properly uh, could require a couple of different things. If they have a a uh, guard that's watching the front door, they may need a detection device just to alert that guard that something has happened, that somebody has gone through uh, unauthorized. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to a a full-rise Class A office building where that that solution works great in the front because it's very clean, um, but you have back parking entrances and you have people that park, you know, employees that park in the back and come come into the building that way, but you don't necessarily have a, uh, a physical presence. You don't have a guard stationed at those back entrances. Well, a solution like a detection uh, solution, like an optical turnstile would never work in that situation because even though, yes, it would alarm, 
it's still going to allow that person to enter your facility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the world that we live in today with security being at high risk, regardless of what your, um, your vertical is or what you're, what you're providing, it's all about response and it's all about knowing who is in your building at any given point. Well, you bring up a, a couple of good points there. Uh, the, just the fact that trying to keep unauthorized people out and that sometimes is in conflict with the the convenience and um, accessibility that the employees inside the building are, are looking for. Sometimes those things are at odds, and and we can uh, we can talk about that. But yeah, I would love to. Some of these uh, some of these types of breaches that we're talking about. Um, let's I guess let's talk about the the first ones that uh, come to mind, and that's uh, piggybacking and tailgating. Uh, those sound a little bit self-explanatory, but tell me what the real issues are within security and why those are such a problem. That's a great question, Shelby, and something that does get misunderstood even in the industry uh, because those words uh, tailgating and piggybacking a lot of times get used with the same definition uh, when in fact they are two separate uh, types of security breach events, if you will. So as far as explaining it, the best way that I've found to do that is to imagine a revolving door with four different compartments in that door. If someone was to tailgate, that means, Shelby, you would walk through the door authorized, but there would be an unauthorized person in a different compartment of the door. So whether it's the compartment behind you or it's the compartment on the other side, because they're going to try to come out while you're coming in, uh, vice versa, that would be tailgating. So it'd be an unauthorized person in a different compartment. Piggybacking would be two people in the same compartment. So for a security revolving door, uh, typically, the authorization is going to be uh, a prox card that they use on a reader. That person would step in and then they would have someone else with them that uh, was not registered as authorized and just got in there with them. That would be piggybacking two people in the same compartment. Piggybacking seems like it would take the authorized person that basically kind of letting them do that because there's no way that that, you know, I'm not going to notice somebody walking directly behind me trying to go through that turnstile or, or, or cramming into the same compartment of a revolving door, whereas the, the tailgating issue, I, I can't necessarily control uh, something that is a little further back from me. Am I understanding that right? Absolutely. And, that, and you explained it very well. That is, that is exactly what it is. Piggybacking would take some type of collusion where the, where the authorized person said, yeah, come get in this compartment with me and we'll go through together. The tailgating, yes, doesn't does it take effort on the authorized person. It's just the unauthorized person seeing a, an opportunity uh, to try to enter the building. So these people really should get off of off of my back. I mean, I I, I can't afford to be holding people <laughs> and carrying people around. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. But as you were mentioning, these are kind of the two most common breaches in security, um, and they are very common, especially especially tailgating. 
um, is is very common, uh, especially just with like a swing door, right? If there was a card reader on the door and um, I did my card and then walked in and mm -hmm. somebody caught the door behind me uh, before it had closed, then they would be able to tailgate in. Um, there's even instances, uh, unfortunately, where we see employees go to lunch, they come back, one person does their card and they open the door for the next five people to walk through. Right, right. So JC, when somebody comes to the table and they're looking to uh, evaluate the security breaches or, or just the security entrances that they have and then start to devise solutions, uh, how do you, uh, I guess, basically, where do you start? What are the very first questions that, uh, that maybe customers come to you with? And then how do you walk them through understanding the, uh, the assets or the importance of protecting these assets yeah that's a that's a that's a great stepping point shelby from the standpoint of um a lot of times when we're approached by a customer they have a general idea of what we do but do not have a great uh well-educated understanding of how an entrance can work for them uh, they think, oh, well, we need a turnstile. Okay, well, great. So what do you mean when you say turnstile? So when you ask what questions do they come with, a lot of times the, the first questions that, and this is not everybody, but the vast majority ask are kind of the lagging questions. In other words, they want to know, well, how much does that cost? And, you know, why, why would I do that? And what we do, what we've trained to do is to really get in and understand and kind of ask the why questions. You know, we want to understand what their goal, what their corporate goal is around security, which entails more than just what Boone Edom provides, but it's, it's more of an overall strategy. So a lot of times a question we'll ask is, um, Mr. Uh, Security Director, you know, how many people, how many unauthorized people would you consider allowable to be inside your facility? Well, the obvious, probably say is, none. Yeah. the obvious answer is going to be none. Well, great. So when you envision putting an optical turnstile in this, in this entrance, which is a detection strategy, which even though, yes, it has a barrier, but once Shelby, you badge and you're authorized to go in and I just casually walk behind you, it's going to alarm, but I'm already inside your facility. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. As long as you have a guard that is there and is focused on that and can respond to that. Right. So, which is additional expense and it's, but I'm already in the facility. It could be, Hey, I just had a bad card read or I'm a visitor and I don't know my way around, or it really could be, you know, a true bad actor trying to, to get around the system. Uh, so we want to know, great, so if nobody's allowed to be unauthorized into your facility, who owns the breach if that happens? What do you mean? So if if for some reason it's a, it's a rainy day and there's a, a, a door, a swing door off of a, a parking lot and it's raining and you and I are running up there and I badge and I hold the door and I hold it for you to come in and you don't badge, you are unauthorized into that building. Now, mm -hmm. you may rightfully so um supposed to be you're supposed to be in the building but you're not badged in which means several things from a mustering from a life safety standpoint 
if something was to happen and they were to pull the account roles through their access control system, mm -hmm. they wouldn't know to look for you. So it's very important that when security professionals put in a security system and they require people to badge, that's there's more than one reason that they're doing it. Now, you mentioned something earlier about convenience, and I thought that's a very great uh, perspective that you picked up on. And you're exactly right. The vast majority of workers in a building, not part of the security team, but the, the workforce view certain levels of security as inconvenient. Mm -hmm. If you, if you just go back several years to after nine 11 and notice what the airports did with the t with the creation of the TSA and all of the security measures we had to go to, it was a huge inconvenience. But today, it's just part of normal life. Right. Um, so there is an educational aspect that has to go with that. Security does not equate to convenience. Always. With proper education and training, which, which, we, which we help our, our, our clients train their, work, their workforce to properly use the equipment, that learning curve is very short and it doesn't take long for that that change in mindset to be quickly adopted. So, uh, Brian, I'm curious, when you start to look at this education or re-education process, uh, uh, helping your employees or you know, your team members that are coming in tights inside the building, helping them understand the importance of the security, uh, how do you go about that? Uh, because I guess there is kind of a fine line between um, not wanting to sound too alarmist and but also helping people understand the real risks and dangers that there are of people coming into a building unauthorized. Absolutely. And as JC mentioned, we do see that as part of our obligation to the customer uh, to not only help their security team to get the right entrance, but then also help them to be able to get their workforce to understand how to utilize that entrance. And you know, a lot of times you look at these things and think, well, what's so difficult about it? You walk up, you present your card, and if it's a revolving door, it's going to start to turn. If it's an optical turnstile with a glass barrier, the barrier is going to open. Um, and, you know, as you're sitting in a, in a room thinking about how we're going to roll this out, yeah, it doesn't seem real difficult. But then when you factor in the culture of the building and the workforce, you know, if we're going to a, a going to a secured entrance from a very free, they, there's some applications we do where they're not even carting in at the moment mm -hmm. it's they're just going up to a swing door and going in so um so there 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 definitely is education that needs to happen and the way that we promote that is is we do make available orientation videos that they can push out uh, to uh, employees um, we also uh, have a graphic that they can print out as a poster and put that on an easel at the different entrances. And what we've really found, Shelby, through the years is it's communication, communication, communication. And it, it can't start the day that you put these entrances into an active situation. 
that communication really has to start early. And we found by just having the conversation with the security team and bringing in the right players within the business, whether it's marketing or human resources, uh, to help us be able to, to deliver that message and more kind of help them. Because what our team brings to the table is the experience of doing this over and over and over again. And so we've seen things that work really well. Um, and we know when a situation is doomed, <laughs> if there's if there's no communication, we know it's going to be a long it's going to be a long learning curve. Right. So you definitely definitely have to do that. And and not only from uh, how do we put these into place, but even the education and re-education of the of the security professionals that we work with. Um, you know, we have to make sure that when when we come to look at a site that we don't take anything for granted and we're not making any assumptions. JC had made the comment earlier that everything that we do or produce in our company is called a turnstile by somebody. Um, but whether it's a security revolving door or a portal or a full height turnstile, we'll get a call and somebody will say, we want to put turnstiles in. And without showing up and asking the right questions, um, it's very possible for the wrong, the wrong scenario to play out. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very important on our part that we are asking the questions and we're provoking the thought. Um, JC had a great example earlier of if there is a employee entrance that will not have any security in the back, then we have to make sure that the solution that they're going to use is designed for an unmanned entrance. And unfortunately, currently in, in our marketplace, there's a lot of misinformation um, and a lot of assumptions that go on. So it's very important for us to ask the right questions and make sure that we understand what the customer is truly trying to achieve uh, by using certain security entrances. And there's lots of different, it's not all cookie cutter, as JC said. Um, everybody, you know, really kind of has their own uh, objective or what they're trying to achieve. And so it becomes our job to help them. I'd love to hear some examples of maybe some of the most challenging um I guess, situation, security situations that you've come into with, with clients and how you've helped them. I want you to go ahead and start us off, JC. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I can give you a, a few examples. And of course, there's, there's numerous types where two scenarios, either the evolution of the desired solution happens prior to a solution being chosen or it happens after the fact. I'll, I'll give you one of each. Um, I've seen scenarios where, uh, for instance, we were attending a trade show and, you know, a very, very large, very busy trade show and lots of folks coming in and asking questions and, and a group approach that was uh, from, from an a insurance company. And immediately that sets off a... Um, a cue to us because in our in our product portfolio we have entrances that have the capabilities of helping companies that that are are regulated by a compliance for instance um, in insurance uh, in the insurance vertical they're regulated by uh, 
PCI and mm-hmm. by HIPAA High Trust. Mm-hmm. And this group came in and they had their heart set. You know, they've, they've done lots of window looking and kicking tires. And they, they wanted this very small footprint, sleek, no barrier solution going into, um, into their facilities. And just by listening, asking questions and listening and trying to figure out what's most important it really wasn't about the aesthetics because once we started saying um, we, you know, that we have the capabilities of offering you equipment that or solution that would help you with your compliance uh, issues, you could see the light bulb go off. And, and the gentleman said, well, what does that mean? So we went into further detail about it and he said, well, can this, this product here do that? And I said, absolutely not. And there was, he, he said, um, you know, that's fantastic because what that has just done is that pulls other buckets in my company into this conversation, which increases my budget. Right. In other words, human resources, uh, risk liability, um, you know, their, their insurance portion of it that have the capabilities to say, oh, that can also serve and help me. Mm. As opposed to just being a device that monitors people going in and out. Right. So that's a great example of upfront of being educational and being intentional with the questions that we ask. Sometimes they can perceive, they can be perceived by some people as, well, why, why do you want to know all this information? I, I always jokingly refer to it as, remember the old show Price is Right? There was a game called Plinko and they would, <laughs> they would drop the, the disc at the top and it would teeter off all the, the bars, ding a ding a ding ding and it would wind up at the bottom. And I view that bottom as our portfolio of solutions and each of those rungs is questions that we ask. So if we ask the right questions, we'll ultimately get to the right solution. And we don't know what that solution is until we gather that information. I'll give you one more example of an after the fact where uh, we presented the case and they were, they were dead set on a, a solution of, of a, a detection strategy because, well, we don't want this to look like Fort Knox and we want it to be minimalistic and, and this and that. So they, they did this massive rollout, massive construction project, installed the lanes, and several months later came to the realization that, you know what, I think those guys were right because this doesn't accomplish what we originally set out which means they had to tear those out, re, uh, re-recognize construction cost and capital expenditures to go back with the right solution. So even though we can come to the table armed with all the greatest information, the buyer has the ultimate decision to make. And we just have to put them in the, in the position for the greatest success for their project. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? What's what are some of the examples that, that come to mind that really highlight the, uh, I guess, the, the challenge with security and scalable security? One of the challenges that I've seen play out a lot in the last couple of years, and JC made a, made a reference to it earlier when he talked about employees are looking for convenience when they, when they walk into a building. And the security team really has a tough job to try to balance out just the right amount of security without 
taking all of the convenience away, right? And so I have seen, I've seen situations uh, where I've, where I've went to a site visit and there are signs up that say, please do not tailgate or please make sure you, you know, you shut the door behind. Mm -hmm. And I was asking the safety or well, it was a safety and then a security person and they were walking the building with me. And I said, Oh, wow. How long have you had those signs up? And they said, well, you're the last person that's going to see them because we were told today we have to take them down because, um, it is um, offending the people in the building. And I said, okay, so if a sign saying uh, no tailgating is offending them, what do you think is going to happen when we put these steel full height turnstiles (laughs) (laughs) at each of the entrances? And that's not something that you're just going to easily take down. Yeah. You know, it's the culture piece that um, is tough, but we have seen, unfortunately, because of the way of the world and because it doesn't seem like you could go a month in this country, well, maybe we'll get through it this month and the next month because of what's going on currently, but um, there's always, seems to always be a, a shooting somewhere, Yep. right? And I'm not big on selling on fear, but what we do deal in is reality. Right. So unfortunately, in this country, there's really no place where you can say that wouldn't happen here. Exactly. There sure was a time and maybe some of the small cities or small towns in America. But the the way these things have just popped up and happen everywhere, that every company has to assume that it could happen to them and that there could be a situation like that. And I've seen situations where. Uh, employees have been very upset about entrances being put in and they hate them. And then next month something happens in the town over or the next state over. And the security manager is getting emails saying, thank you for doing what you do to keep us safe. So I say that to to say that I, I see some of that culture changing just because of where we are today, but it still is a challenge. Yeah. It, it it's it's still very much a much a challenge and it's something that the the security team has to deal with on a daily basis so of course you know we're doing this podcast um you know in the middle of a really unprecedented time and in, in this covid 19 pandemic so i mean it seems like often building security measures are designed to keep those unauthorized people out but i'm not sure that many envision needing to keep authorized employees out and not talking about after hours or weekends, but in you know this this situation where we need to keep non-essential employees out of the building uh, to keep that you know to keep the exposure down and basically once an area has been wiped down and cleaned uh, to try to keep it that way and safe for the people that are still in the building is that something that you guys are seeing that are that companies are are needing to deal with? You're right in using the word unprecedented. It's uh, we refer to it a lot of times as unique times and the new reality. And you know, even if it's temporary, which I think we all can hope and pray that it is. Um, yeah, I think I, I think as as this plays out, we're going to see evolutions, just like we've seen throughout history and throughout. Uh, a lot of times, are event driven. Um, I will say that, you know, we've seen 
lots of inquiries and requests for um, additional components to be added to our equipment to detect body temperatures and things like that. Uh, You know, but, you know, is that, is that the long-term solution? I'm not real sure. Is that a, is that a very quick uh, reaction? Could be. But what I would say is the benefit of using a security entrance to, to the example that you gave Shelby is if, if I have a swing door with a card reader and you walk up and badge and open that door and go through, or you open that door and don't go through it, I don't know. I don't have a way of telling that. But with mm-hmm. a security revolving door or even a uh, optical turnstile, there's what's called a return signal, which means somebody actually completed that passage in through the door, in through the security entrance, which could be used to alert, you know, security or safety or uh, building um, uh, maintenance engineers that, hey, somebody's in an area that has already been cleaned, has not, it, you know, should not be in there at this time. Um you, you know, it's it's hard to say at this point that the keeping of authorized personnel out has not really reared its ugly head yet. Yeah. But I could definitely see that being a talking point going forward as far as from a safety standpoint. It's really not a level of security. It's more about public. It's more about employee safety or public safety and, and knowing who's who's in that um in that space. I would like to, to real quick, just add to something that Brian mentioned uh, just a minute ago when he was talking about um, how people adjust to increase security in, in environments and buildings. And what, what it really rains down on is the term liability mm-hmm. and what security directors and the C the C-suite level and, and board members are concerned about is the brand, right? The company, which includes its people and its, its, its assets and the liability of somebody being able to get into whether either, whether it's, from a contamination standpoint or a pilferage or a, a a worse event, it comes down to the liability. We hear a lot about risk mitigation. Well, risk, we all take risk. I speed down the highway. That's a risk. I, I, I will assume that risk all day long. But what I don't want to assume is the liability. And the liability is really the critical component when it comes to creating and making a security entrance part of your strategy. And it's really mitigating that liability as to it, as, as to how it plays out within each of these different companies and their individual cultures. So as we start to wrap up this episode, uh, what would be the most important takeaway that you hope listeners uh, really understand from this episode? There, there are several things to take away, but probably the most important thing is that the inclusion of a security entrance into your overall security plan should not be one that's taken lightly. You really need to understand the fact that within security entrances, there's really four levels, and it breaks down to crowd control, deterrence, detection, and prevention. 
Now, as an end user, as a, as a corporation, your strategy should fall into one of those, those four groups, whether you're an amusement park and you're just controlling crowds or you're a data center and you're just preventing unauthorized people from getting into your facility or anywhere in between. And it doesn't mean that one solution has to fit the entire building. There's a layered approach to it. You can use a, a detection strategy in the front lobby where your visitors come in because you have a manned presence and you use a detection strategy on the back. All that being said, ask questions, listen to questions, and respond honestly because at the end of the day, what it is that you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to achieve, your goal, ultimately you have to live with this decision. And we're here, Boone Edom is here to, to help lead you in the right direction. Anything to add to that, Brian? I would add the fact that, as JC said, it you live with with what you decide to move forward with, and it is important to take into consideration all of uh, the different uh, aspects and things that are being asked. Um, I, I just think of a situation that I, I had this year, actually, where I was involved in the design process early on and the security team and, and I had talked about it and we, we really thought a prevention strategy was gonna be the best application. This was a Fortune 500 new headquarters and they were, had some entrances that were gonna be unmanned and the objective was to keep unauthorized people to actually prevent them from coming in the building. Um, unfortunately, even after fighting the good fight and taking, taking you know, our concerns to the architects and the security team, taking their concerns to the senior leadership, ultimately the decision was made that, no, we would rather have something that was a little more open and we don't like the look of a security revolving door, so that's not what we're going to do. And you fast forward to the installation a month after it was installed, there were some shootings in a state over from where they were. And it really made the senior leadership look at things in a different light. And kind of like we talked about earlier that you can't say that won't happen here. Right. When it hits close to home is definitely one of, the, one of those moments when you realize Hey, you know, we're we're an hour and a half from where that happened. Our cultures aren't that different. Um, that could happen here, and they are now uh, in the midst of construction that will be replacing what they put in a mere few months ago, and they're going to replace it with security revolving doors because they see the value now of the prevention strategy. Right. Right. So when we talk about scalability, that's why it's so important to understand the objectives that are trying to be met and the applications so that we do really get that true um, objective met for them. Well, fantastic stuff, fantastic information, a lot of great things to think about. So JC and Brian, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Shelby. And that does it for this episode of Entering Excellence. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhawk.